morning, good morning. Do you know why we need to come to church and worship God? It is like taking a truth shower, isn't it? I was just listening to all those worship songs and foundations, so biblical, right? You know, we, we sang Psalms 150, great, great a new song. It's just like a truth shower. You don't get truth showers in the world, amen? <laughs> but here, oh, that was so good. Thank you so much, worship team. That was a great set. Yes, and if you are new with us this morning, we ask that you take a connection card from the seat in front of you, put that in the box on the back wall at any time. We would just love to send you a little thank you and make sure you get connected. Also, we it has been a while since we have had a growth track. So I know there are a handful of new faces in our church family that we have added over the last couple of months. And so we have a growth track coming up starting June 30th. This is our introduction to the church. So if you have never attended, then please sign up. We have childcare provided if you need it. We provide lunch. But this is our three-class course where you can come and get all your questions answered about foundations. And then also we learn a little bit about you and we can get you plugged into ministry if you would like a place to serve. So if you have not done that, please mark your calendars and we would love to have you join us for that class. That is it. That's it. Good job, babe. Three class course. That's tough to say. I would have messed that one up for sure. <laughs> oh, it's hot outside. There are seasons changing, but it's a good thing. God is the God of each season. We're in the middle of a series called Seasons. We're all in them at every point in our life. The Bible talks a lot about the different seasons God has for us as individuals, as Christians. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. Got some notes there also. If you didn't, they're on the back wall. 2 Timothy. Chapter 4. This is a shift in the early church. This is a major shift in generational ministry, and we find the Apostle Paul at the end of his life, the end of a major church error. What is it? Paul is the apostle who is going to die. Does John outlive him? Possibly, probably. That's the only apostles left that have seen the Lord face to face, and it's the transition um, to the relationship like all of us have for the church. So Paul is at the end of his life, and he's writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, about a shift and a transition in seasons. And let's learn something new from the Word of God right here. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come, that's a seasonal thing. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The change in culture or a, a departure from the truth 
is not new in a society. It ha- it's not even uncommon. That is the way um, seasons work on this planet, it seems, both natural and physical. And God is in charge of all of them. So let's look at this. Paul is going to teach us some things about seasons. Verse 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. That preach the word has got an exclamation point on it. As I said, this is the end of Paul's ministry, possibly days before he dies. He is in the inner prison underneath the main one. He's under not house arrest like the first time. It's hardcore. He's most probably shackled or there's guards on his left and on his right. It's been a long road and a long season, and Paul has been serving the Lord many years. And instead of knowing that there's going to be difficult times, Paul writes throughout all of the New Testament about the difficult times coming. Because if we remember, remember the uh, Neo burns the temple, the, the wicked Roman ruler, persecution, unbelievable persecution is going to hit the church. It's all right, God's sovereign. He's going to send the persecuted church. is going to scatter everywhere, but it's going to bring the gospel everywhere because the gospel's in them, right? So the gospel's going to go throughout the known world. It's going to be a very difficult time. Now, you've got to think about a father telling his child it's going to be rough. In fact, Timothy, I don't know what the future holds for you. You may be the next martyr. Now, let me ask you a question, parents. What would you be telling your kids? Just take it easy. Find a hole to crawl in and just whisper. Take it easy, kids. Just go to work. Keep your head down. Don't ruffle any feathers and just live your life. I got kids, but that's not what Paul says. Paul looks at his spiritual son. He steps forward hours, days before his own execution and says, preach the word. I don't care what season it is. It doesn't matter. This is the, it would be easier for him to say it for himself. He's getting ready to die. That's easy. But to look at your son and say, the Lord Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he was. No matter what the world says, no matter what's going on, preach the word. Amen. Be ready in season and out. That's every Christian's call. That's the message you give to your children. That's the message you give to your grandchildren. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. We have great freedoms in America. They may not be here next year or in 20 years. I don't know. My call, your charge, preach the word and be ready in season and out. You want a fruitful season? Number one on your notes. Responsibility to God's word keeps you fruitful. I have abandoned, that's a big word, let me give you a minute there, responsibility. I have abandoned, and I'm working on it, God's working in me, the low responsibility life. I'm done with it. I don't want any part of it. That's what the world's looking for. Just give me the easy, quickest way, right? That's not what my Savior did. That's not what Paul did. I'm abandoning that one. Look, I'm proving it. We're having a fifth kid. Come on now, Any, let no man bother me. I bear in my mark that my wife's going to throw me, my, something at me. My wife's having a fifth child. You don't have to have five kids. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we've decided, you know, this is what we feel like we're going to do this. That's not a low responsibility life, right? 
That's an area of a family. We're talking about every area of our life, but about our Christian life, about our marriage life, about our whatever life. We are abandoning the low responsibility life. I don't want a piece of it. God will give me rest. God will give me grace, all those things. I still get to fish. I have a great time. But I want a life of responsibility, right? Because I know that's a fruitful life. Amen? There is no fruit without responsibility. Jesus said it like this. You pick up your cross and you carry it daily. That's responsibility. Heavy. Abandon that thought. Get rid of it. Be happy to clean the kitchen at 10 o'clock at night. Get up with those kids. Whatever you all, you've got lots of responsibilities, all of you. I know you do. You may be thinking about them right now. There's things that weigh on you. You just say, okay, Lord, strengthen my back. You don't have to lighten the load. Let's look at this. Look at what Paul said in Acts 20, 31. This responsibility life he lived. Acts 20, chapter 20, verse 31. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. I mean, I was a watchman on the wall and I didn't get down. Now, he wasn't married with kids. You can take a break, right? But for him, he knew this is what God's called me to do. This is my responsibility before God, night and day with tears. I'm responsible and I'm going to do it. That's a high responsibility life. Paul did it. Look also at at 2 Corinthians. I've been studying the book of Corinthians a lot, and I love it because it was such a mixed-up group and a messed-up culture, especially Corinth. I've talked about this for the last several weeks because every time I study, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that. So Corinthians, he's writing a second letter to them because there's so many issues they're struggling with and dealing with. Doesn't mean they're not saved. They knew the Lord. They had experienced God, but they had issues. They had family issues. They had, uh, there was all kinds of sexual morality in the culture. They had uh, money issues or all these things they're dealing with. So he writes him a second letter. Listen to what he says about them in 2 Corinthians t- uh, 9, verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, we're talking about seasons, that's his illustration there, Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God because they had supplied, they had taken up an offering and supplied some of the poor churches in different cities. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorified God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. You may not be perfect, Corinth, but I'm going to tell you what you do. You preach the word. Your liberal proclamation to them and all men. You didn't care the culture. It didn't matter what was going on. Preach the word right there. Now, I love it because they were for sure not a perfect people. They had all these things, but God used them mightily because they obeyed the word of God, and they said, I'll take the responsibility lifestyle. All right, amen. Preach the word. 
Let's keep looking back in our text. We're in 2 Timothy. So that's what he says in verse 3. Let's get in verse 2, excuse me. Let's keep reading. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort. Here is the few words and the key to successful ministry in a multi-dimension culture, multi-generational culture where you're saying one thing is truth and the other person is saying something else is truth, or they just say no one knows the truth. All right? I'm going to show you. It's right here. Paul says it. This is success. He says, convince, rebuke, and exhort. That's know your stuff, study, convince them by clear speaking, Rebuke them, say this is wrong in love and this is right in love. Exhort, build them up, don't tear them down with all long-suffering and teaching. With all long-suffering and teaching. How are we to be fruitful in this culture? How are we as Christ followers to make an impact for the glory of God? It's with all long suffering and teaching. I read that and I'm like, Lord, I would rather a better, shorter way. Oh, wait, that's the problem. <laughs> Come on, just get to the point. Come on, boom, let's do it. That's my personality, right? Come on, let's go. Boom, what is it? What, what? <laughs> Lord says, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's only one way for a fruitful ministry. Long suffering. Number two on your notes. Truth patiently lived is the key to a godly harvest. Truth patiently lived is the key to a godly harvest. This is the way we're fruitful in every season, that we have patience because it has such great value. A few months before I started this church, I was going to conferences and doing all this and that. And you're drinking out of a, a fire hose. As soon as you go to a conference with pastors or church planters and they know that you are planting a church, it's literally like they turn into used car salesmen. It, not a bad thing. This is what they do. Listen, you need to do this, do that, do that. This will help you. This won't. Da, 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 da. And so I'm like, uh, uh, okay, okay, I don't know. I'm just trying to pray and get through this. And da, da. It's just normal. They love you. They do. They're just, you know, they just go into that mode. It's just habit. So I go to this one conference, and this guy is there, and I, I say, hi, I just me. I say, hi, my name is Stephen, and uh, I get about 10 seconds in the conversation. I'm like, yeah, we're I'm planning with ARC, getting ready to plant in a few months. And he just puts, you know, hey, you have a water hose, you just turn on a little bit, because if the kid's holding the water hose like this, you turn on all the way, bad things happen. And he just goes 100 miles an hour. This is what matters, and da-da-da, and he was just an intent, like, he made my personality seem docile and quiet. <laughs> hey, y'all, you know, that kind of hurt just a little. <laughs> and I'm just, and I, I was, I love everybody. I'm not getting mad at people. I'm not mad at anyone on this planet. My, about 30 seconds into this, I'm like, I've got to get away from this guy. I, 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 I got to get away from this guy. Was he, was his motives wrong? No. Was what he was saying wrong? 
No. What was the problem? There was no patience. There was no thought in taking it patiently with all long suffering. Then you can teach. You see how he does that? You learn that patient long suffering, then people are going to listen to the words that come out of your mouth. Amen? That is the key to a fruitful season. Listen, this may not help any of you. I'm doing this for me. Okay? This is what I need. All right? <laughs> this is what he tells Timothy just a couple chapters before in, in chapter 224, right there in 2 Timothy. He says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, patient in humility, correcting those who are, who, um, who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Truth patiently lived. I am not a gardener. I don't have patience for it. I love people that do garden because they usually bring me stuff. Well, a couple weeks ago, Megan comes home with a bag, and it was a bag full of vegetables. We love vegetables, especially when they're fried. They're delicious. <laughs> Planko breadcrumbs, and those are so good. So there was a bag of vegetables. Well, I opened the bag at home, and there, I kid you not, the biggest, uh, is it a green squash? Is it a zucchini? Zucchini, thank you. It was almost twice as big as round as this thing. It was this big around. I don't have it as an illustration because I didn't think two weeks in advance. Of course, I ate it. It was so good. It was huge. It was like this. I'm like, this is amazing. This is going to be the biggest fried zucchini I've ever had. <laughs> and I thought, who was so patient to do the garden and to plant that thing? And then it grows. It was ready. You could have pulled it earlier. But to wait and let it become a zucchini of renown. <laughs> I thought, there is the key. There's zucchinis. And then there's zucchinis. Thank you, Miss Carlos. I appreciate that zucchini. <laughs> Look at one more scripture. Proverbs 15, 23. Look at what it says right here. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in what season? Due season, how good it is. That zucchini's good, but oh, that zucchini could be in due season. That's wisdom. We need, we need wisdom in this, in, this adult, in this crooked and adulterous generation, as the Bible says. We need wisdom to better speak. The long-suffering will give us the ability to teach. And it's just have influence, right? I know we feel like God doesn't lose influence. His church is not losing influence. As we get closer to him, he's going to cause us to have more influence. You're not losing influence with your kids. You look say, God, you've called me to be the most influential person in their life. So I'm going to step up and say, God, give me all long suffering, and I'm going to be the teacher that pours truth into them. I'm going to take it, speak it, pray it, do it. All right, let's keep looking here. Right back in 2 Timothy. Verse 4. So it talks about how the time's coming when they're not going to endure sound doctrine. 
Verse 4, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned to fables. It literally means they will remove their hearing so far away that they can't hear the truth anymore. They will transplant themselves, is also another picture in the Greek, to another place. And they will turn their ears away from the truth. I tell you what that is. That is a change in location. That is a change in where and when you spend time, isn't it? So the Bible tells me, number three on your notes, location is the difference between fruitfulness or barrenness. Location is the difference. It's the difference maker, excuse me, is the difference maker between fruitfulness and barrenness. They will move and turn away. This has implications for the way we spend our days in life, doesn't it? Now, I don't have to tell you, you guys are in church. There's a popular view that that's not important anymore. It's not a biblical one, I'm sorry. Because the location where you are matters. I have never seen a tree removed out of the soil that produced fruit. Have you? You ever seen a plant not in the ground produce anything? I haven't. That's what Paul is saying right here. That's what he's saying. I want to show you something in Israel's history. Jeremiah 2.17. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet because God's people are going to be removed from the promised land. They're going to be put in bondage for 70 years in desolation. 2.17 through 19, and we'll jump to 25. Have you not brought this on yourselves, Israel? You're going to bondage for a reason. What's the reason? In that you have forsaken the Lord your God when he led you in the way. And now, why take the road to Egypt to drink the waters of Sior? Or why take the road to Assyria to drink the waters of the river? Your own wickedness will correct you and your backsliding will rebuke you. What? was Israel doing? They said, we'll go to Egypt and find the answers and help. We'll go and remove ourselves from from the promised land because we've got all these invading armies and Assyria will help us. They removed themselves from the truth. And oh, the destruction that came. Verse 25. It's talking about how they were like kind of like a, a wild donkey. They just wanted to be out there. Withhold your foot from being unshod and your throat from thirst. But you said, there is no hope. No, for I have loved, what does that say? Aliens and after them. I want to be over there. That's where I'm going. That is never where we are, people of God. And you lovingly encourage every person who calls the name of the Lord. So don't love aliens and live over there. Don't do it. Let me show you a picture here. Famous flower, y'all know it. The sunflower. Now, y'all probably all know that the sunflower follows the sun. As it goes, you know, it follows the sun. The reason is, is because it is not built or designed like other plants or 
it happened like that because of the fall. Obviously, God made everything good. So it has adapted, and that even though it can't absorb uh, and hold much sunlight for its nutrients, it just it has that big old head, and it just stays with the sun until it starts in the east and ends in the west, right? Now, what I did not know about the sunflower is that what happens at night? Sun goes down, right? Every single night, the sunflower is facing, when the sun goes down, it's facing west. But that's not where it's facing when the sun comes up. Y'all know that, gardeners. I didn't know that at nighttime, it repositions and relocates itself and turns back to the east because it must or it'll die. When the sun comes up in that morning sun and those nutrients that it must have, it is already positioned and located itself so it can receive from the sun. And it does that every night. Isn't that cool? I like it because it helps this. You remember this. Location is the difference. You just turn every night, every whatever, in your word, in your prayer life, in small groups, in church and whatever. And you say, okay, I'm ready to receive the supernatural energy of the sun. The sun is a phenomenal thing. Did you know that the energy produced from the sun that comes to the earth in two minutes, the energy that comes from the sun that hits the earth in two minutes is the equivalent of all the energy used by humanity in one year. You can go look it up. Wow is right. That's what I thought. I had to double check that one. Not everything on Google is right. Every battery in your pocket from your phone, every engine, every nuclear power plant, the seven plus billion people, the sun produces that energy in two minutes that comes to this earth. Is God's season and his mightiness. Did David say, oh, the mighty works of God for no reason? Oh, the mightiness of God. Let's put ourselves in the location for that. Amen. Let me show you one biblical location. There's lots of them. 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. Let's look at this. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. This is first letter. But if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is what? Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. I tell you, I want to be in that location. Like I said earlier, that worship, just that 20 minutes of truth just pouring over me. Now, look, I, I'm an information guy. Maybe some of you guys are. I want information, I want information, I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. That doesn't mean all of it's true, right? I have to filter some of it and all that. Oh, 20 minutes of just worship pouring over me. Oh, that is what we need right there, the pillar and ground of truth. Let's keep looking here. One last point, verse 5. Back in 2 Timothy. So he goes through what's going on in life and the world and all that, and he pivots. He said, look, this is the world. It's okay. Don't worry about it. God's sovereign. You serve Jesus. And then he says, verse 5, but you be watchful in 
all things, endure afflictions. That's point one, the responsibility life. You can take an arrow and bring it right back up to point one, the high responsibility life. Endure afflictions. Why is that in there? Why is he in prison right now? Because of what? The preaching of the word. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Number four in your notes. Labor until God says it is finished. Fulfill your ministry. This is not a one-time occurrence from Paul. This is actually Paul's normal language. Look, in Cajun country, we got some normal language, right? That language doesn't exist everywhere else. Masha, you go anywhere else on the planet, they look at you funny three ways. Not here. You hear it all the time. No big deal. It's the way it is. It's normal language. Listen to watch Paul's normal language in these three scriptures. First one is Acts 12. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. Fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname is Mark. Fulfilled their ministry. Let's keep looking. In Romans 15, this is Paul. In mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and around about all... I listed Trump, uh, Elijah, I can't remember. <laughs> I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. What did he say? Fully preached the gospel of Christ. Fully preached. One more, Colossians. And say this to Archippus. Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may what? That you may what? Fulfill it. That's Paul language. It's Paul language. Labor until God says it is finished. Let's stand up. End with a story and a special prayer time. When I was a kid, let's just stand up and stretch it out. When I was a kid... My papa was a farmer. We'd go in the summers. And papa had three pretty big gardens. He had a tractor. And there was he always had a, you know, the spring, the fall, I mean the winter, the summer and the the fall, the winter crop. Well, not only was he a farmer for his four acres, um, and but he also would help the neighbors. And the neighbor was like the guy who lives a half mile down the road. Well, there was one of his friends who lived a half mile down the road and he was too old and he had a he had a garden, but he couldn't really take care of it. So he had planted it, but it was dry, and he just had plants about this big, and it needed to be watered, and it badly needed to be tilled, or they weren't going to make it. So I'm there visiting for the summer, so Papa was always... <laughs> he was in the Korean War. He, he just said, come on, we're doing this. <laughs> so I'm like eight, maybe nine. Papa's got a little tiller because he couldn't use his tractor. He said, this is what we're going to do. He said, look, you're going to take the water hose, pull back the plant. I'm going to pass with the tiller, put the water hose there, go to the, go to the next. You pull back the plant so I don't grab it with the tiller and, and rip it all to pieces and move the water hose as the plant goes. That's what we're going to do. That's where we're going to do this. Well, it was a big garden. 
He was as big as this room, maybe bigger. And the, the first couple rows, no big deal, because it's not super hot yet because it's morning, but it is like June. Well, by row four or five and the sun's coming up. Look, I know an eight-year-old's not supposed to complain about back problems because no kid is, because they don't even know what pain is, right? But I was like, Papa, I'm done. I'm done, Papa. I, I got to be done. He said, oh, no. He turned the tiller off. Listen, son, we'll take a break. But I told this man I would finish this and get this done today. I told him I would labor right here. I told him I would do this. And let me tell you something about Korean War veterans. If they said it, they going to do it. It was the handshake, and that was it, kind of a guy. That's the way he was. And I remember that over 30 years ago. And we sweated, and we labored, but we finished. Oh, Christian, I don't know what season you're in. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who's God of your seasons. And he will charge you with responsibility. He will empower you supernaturally. He will lead you through it. You come and say, all right, Lord, I'm here to labor until you say it's finished. Amen. So this is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to end our service. I've asked several people in the prayer team to come up. So if you all could come up. Now we have some more. Larry, Linnell, Chris, he's coming in. So what we're going to do is end it early. James 5 says, pray for one another. I don't know the season you're in, but you're in one, aren't you? So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to spend some time worshiping. You don't have to, but my goal for today is everyone come up for a quick prayer. Okay? This is the question. What season are you in? And your prayer is, what are you asking God for in this season? It said he supplies seed to the sower. You have a season. Say, okay, God, this is where I am. And I'm just going to have someone agree with me in prayer. Yeah, Cindy's going to come help us. There we go. I'm going, to have, I'm going to have someone agree with me in prayer because you're in one, right? You're in a season. You say, okay. So we're going to worship. I ended early. So okay. This is what I need prayer for. All right? So everyone is going to get prayer for something. You spend a minute with the Lord if you need to. All right. This is, this is the season I am. I'm in. And this is what I need answered. This is what I'm praying for in this season. All right. Let's worship. You know, come up whenever you're ready.
Thank you. 
prayer come up. Everybody needs prayer. I'm going to get prayer in this last minute. <laughs> prayer team, if you didn't get prayer, grab someone who's not praying. So everyone. One more minute. If you didn't get prayer, come up.
everyone get prayer? Did? All right. I think I did. Praise God. Let's come to the Lord together. Come well, on, let's come to the Lord. Let's lift our hands. Oh, God. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for that you're the God of every season. Lord, thank you that you make beautiful everything beautiful in its due time, in its due season, God. And we're yours, the work of your hands. And truly, you're the author and the finisher of our, finisher of our faith. So, Lord, we rest in that. We thank you, God. We look forward to fruitful seasons in every area of our life. The Christian life is complete. It permeates every cell, every part of our body. Even our physical body will be made new. Therefore, every area of your life will be permeated by Christianity. There may be areas right now you're like, where's God in that area? Cry out to him. Look for him. Believe that he's going into that area of your life. There is no area he cannot reach. There is no place that he does not go. Is the arm of the Lord short? Is it slack? Does the Lord sleep or slumber? No. So I thank you that every area of our life, everything that we touch, everywhere we go, Lord, you are moving and we are seeing the hand of God in every area of our life. We are seeing the fruit of the Word of God, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of you moving in every area of our life. There will be no dry ground, no fallow ground, no unfruitful place in any area of our life. In the name that is above every name, in the name that demons tremble, in the name that brings salvation, every area, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And everyone said, Amen and amen. Now praise him. Come on, now praise him. God bless you. Have a great day.